everyone, and welcome to the Press Gallery Interview, our midweek podcast from the Edmonton Journal, where we chat with someone from the political scene in Alberta. I'm provincial affairs reporter Claire Clancy, and today with me I have the lovely Leela Ahir, who's UCP deputy leader and MLA for Chestmere Rocky View, and also candidate for a redrawn riding, and you've been out door knocking, I understand. I have the new riding. Thanks for having me, Claire. Yeah, It's really welcome. nice to see you. Um, the new riding is Chestmere Strathmore, so what used to be uh, sort of U-shaped riding around the outside of Calgary has now been flipped east, so yeah, there's a there's a a whole bunch of new folks and lots of people to reach out to. So, And you've been door knocking in <laughs> minus 40, I understand. <laughs> we have my poor family. And so I have two grown sons. I have a 22 and a 20-year-old. So they're in charge of lit drops right now. So they're super thrilled in minus 30 to be going out and doing that. But um, I have to say, it's been it's been really, really lovely being out at the doors. You know, people invite you in. We get cookies and yeah. hugs. And I've been in my riding for a long time, so I I know a lot of the people there. But uh, what? Yeah. What? Tell me a bit. What are you hearing on the doorstep? What are the main concerns people have brought forward to you in your riding? I mean, I think it's like what most people are hearing, which is jobs and the economy for sure. Um, ancillary issues, especially in Chesterfield and Strathmore, are education and rural crime. There's tr- so much. I I have so many anecdotal stories I could share with you about the real crime side of things. But um, when you actually see people who are coming in, we hold town halls uh, pretty much weekly at this point in time. And uh, the stories that you hear about the trauma that it causes these families when these things are happening, it's uh, very real. And it is seemingly to be a crisis for us in this area because the amount of, of uh, things that are being stolen, the people don't feel safe on their properties. They're not sure what to do. You know, So we're, we're working a lot with them. We put out, as you know, probably a policy uh, piece on that a while back. So we've been sharing that with a lot of people to get some feedback on that to see if there's any ways we can improve. Yeah, and that's been such an ongoing issue at the legislature. I know it's mm-hmm. come, come up in debate so much, and especially, as you mentioned, with property crime in rural areas. Yes. It seems like it's something that is people are dealing with across the province. Yes. Yeah. And you can imagine, you know, there's a lot of multi-generational families that live out on these farms. So you have a lot of grandparents and aunties and whatnot and uncles taking care of kids while the other members of the family are, you know, out selling out their crops and stuff because crops are still going to market right now, right? So they're still transporting. So there's a lot of work going on and there's a lot of people who are really truly terrified to be in their own homes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's terrible to hear, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, that might be uh, maybe a platform issue Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the UCP. My... Based on the work that we've done so far, and Mike Ellis was the one who really head up that uh, piece on the justice, um, we can really see that there are some changes that need to be made. So we'll be rolling that out fairly soon. Um, but I would imagine that it would be fairly similar to the policy piece that we had put forward about, I think, about six months ago. And I know that the UCP is having a, a election readiness yes. convention this weekend. Um, <laughs> the podcast is probably going to come out shortly after that. Okay. But, yeah, but tell me, what's the point of having a convention like that? What are you guys hoping to achieve? So just like the title suggests, election readiness. So for those of us who are, you know, hardened part of politicians now who've been here for the big four years, um, it was really important to us going forward, uh, especially because we wanted to make sure that all 87, we're not, we're, we don't have all of our candidates yet, but we're very, very close. 
um, had the opportunity not only to speak with those of us who've had the privilege of being here, but so that they can start to put their teams together. Because as you know, it's not an easy feat to do. First of all, to uh, get nominated and then to win your nomination. And then, I mean, you still have to win the election. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, there's a lot of questions in this way. You know, it's a bonding session for all of us as well to get to know some of the other candidates because um, many of us have been working on several other people's candidacies door knocking out with those people. So you get to uh, you get to know those folks fairly well. But there's a broad spectrum of candidates from right across the province. So it'll be nice to get to know them. And I mean, the UCP has had such a ramp up of nomination candidates. Mm -hmm. I think you guys are the furthest ahead in terms of having, like, I think it's 80 now out of 87. That's correct. Ridings that you have uh, nominations in. And um, 25 of those are women. And I know that it seems as though there was a recruitment push maybe for women. Is that fair? Has the UCP been trying to recruit more women yeah. into the party? Yeah. I, I mean, there's there's lots of, I guess, language that you could use. The way that I looked at it was that, I, I can use myself, I guess, as an example, is that I had never considered running. And I had seven men in my kitchen when I was done teaching my choir practice one evening who were sitting there. And I came down because at that time, um, the floor crossings had happened. And so we were looking for a candidate for Wild Rose at that time. And they were sitting in my kitchen. And they said, we found a candidate. And I said, great, who is it? And they said, you. <laughs> I literally, I don't, I don't, I almost fainted, actually. <laughs> yeah, and being then, told you're a candidate. Is a <laughs> I know. And it never really crossed, to tell you the truth. I mean, I've always been involved in the background, but it never occurred to me to run as a candidate. And um, the fellow who was um, eventually became my, my campaign manager, Patrick, he had to chase me down for a month. So... And it wasn't because I didn't feel competent or anything like that. It's just a different space. It's a different mentality. So one of the things that was really important to us is that we opened up that dialogue. There are a ton of incredible, and as you can tell, like we had 40% of our candidates were women that were running in competitive nominations, mm -hmm. hardcore competitive nominations. So that's not an easy thing to prep for. So yes, recruitment was part of it, but it goes beyond that. It's about opening the dialogue, making sure that you're reaching out in a way that resonates with women, right? Mm -hmm. So that was, that was, I think, a larger part of it. It was about hel helping to understand what the process is and actually supporting with, through dollars and help and door knocking and calling. Have you been kind of at the forefront of talking to women about what the process is like? Because you were for a while, you know, one of two <laughs> yeah. women in the UCP caucus. Um, and then later, Layla Goodridge and uh, joined you and Angela yes. Pitt um, to make it three. So have yeah, have you what is that conversation been like? And um, I guess what was that experience like, first of all? And then how did you tell women about why sure. they should run? When when Jason and I had this conversation, and of course, this happened long before, like even during before the leadership race and all of that, uh, just the fact that you're a woman in politics, I think that you have a different resonate, you d different resonation with women and people in general. So I think just even from the get go, just having the opportunity to talk to people, uh, uh, there were many, many uh, incredible, incredible women. I mean, some of the women that we have running for us are just they're unbelievable human beings, but um, they felt that by just looking at me and what I had done, that they could do that. 
That's step one. Step two is actually following through and making sure that that person has the supports and things around. That's where I came in. That's where Angela came in. Both of us were very, very active even before the leadership. And then when Jason was uh, the lead, when he became the leader, we had a, a really good sit down discussion about making sure that not only that the reach outreach was there, but that we were actively talking to people and following through. Like I said, there's there's step one where you feel like you can do it, but there's there's so much support and the nature of, of uh, describing what this world is like. It is, it's not easy, but nothing worthwhile in life is, right? And if you, se- if you set up the support network to be there, we, they will come. <laughs> and I know that I think um, because you were one of the few women that often kind of became a talking point for people. I know that in, mm-hmm. your, in the nomination for the redrawn riding, we had uh, Derek Fildebrand mm-hmm. came out and said, I was told not to run in that riding uh, because um, the, the UCP basically wanted more women running. And like when you hear things like that, how do you react to that? <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I have two things to say about that, actually. <laughs> One of them is, is that that conversation didn't happen. And the second piece is, and I don't know if, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't need to be protected, first of all. Um, in the first, when I won for Wild Rose in 2015, I ran against two conservative men. One was an incumbent hand chosen by the premier of the time, by Jim Prentice. And the second one was a very well-known PC young fellow. And Believe me when I tell you I'm extremely competitive. I didn't need it. I, I, I had the help of my team, which was small but mighty. But you want a competition, bring it on. I'm ready to face that. As far as what happened with Derek, that conversation never happened. And two... To add to that conversation, when I had a discussion with the leader, the leader said, yeah, are you ready to run against him? Because it's going to be a competitive nomination. And I said, great. He goes, we're not protecting incumbents. So are you ready? Are you ready to run? And I said, yes, I am. And I said, I'm very competitive. He goes, good. That's what I want to hear. That was our conversation. So I'm not sure what was said on other, <laughs> I can't corroborate any others, but I know that's not what was said to me. I was told that I was not to be protected, that I was to run, get my team together, make sure I was ready to go. So I did, because again, this is about choice for the people. Were you frustrated by the narrative that Derek Fildebrand brought forward about well, how that played out? goofy, really, because... In all honesty, think about it from this perspective, is that it never came up when there was the opportunity, because keep in mind, Derek still hadn't been invited back to the UCP yet, right? And so this was all conjecture around whether or not he was coming back or not. And then he lied to the leader and then was kicked out. So my gender didn't, or my ethnicity and my gender, I might add, did not become an issue until he was no longer a member of the party, which is kind of... Like I said, I don't know how it's to call it other than goofy. And then all of a sudden it was an issue when he could no longer run as a UCP candidate anymore. So it's actually quite irrelevant. And as it stands now, he started his own party. Good for him. I can't wait for the competition. I can't wait to debate him at the forums. It's going to be really, really fun. And it uh, gives people the uh, people of Chester Strathmore a choice. So that's wonderful. That's democracy. And I'm, I know that uh, the UCP has had, as you've said, really heated nominations. And yeah. there have been very competitive, many, very competitive. Yeah. there have been many news stories about kind of different nomination issues. Um, just going back a few months, there have been things related to kind of um, now independent MLA Prop Gill and all of the stories mm-hmm. around that. Um, what I'm wondering from, from your perspective, do you think that this is distracting voters from real issues? Like, how do you think that the nomination um, controversies, I guess, are are factoring into uh, what people think of the UCP? 
actually, you know, in some ways, and I know this sounds strange, but um, we've had some really great discussions around it. Um, we're a new party, so we're going to find out a lot of things that we can improve upon as we go forward. So that's a good thing that comes out of these. Um, the Prop Gill um, issue is it's a it's a it's sad because um, I feel for him because he's hurting obviously, and he made some really really bad choices, and as a result, has lost credibility. And so those kinds of things, you kind of look at it from the point of view of if there had been an issue, it would have been very, very incumbent upon him at that point in time to bring up those issues. And I, I really believe with the nature of a competitive nomination, you're going to have hurt feelings. But honestly, Claire, like 90%, I think I'm probably under guessing too. And this isn't all the nominations that I've personally worked in, which out of, I think, 19 of the ones that I worked on, only of seven of the candidates that I actually supported won. We're all helping out the candidate that won, right? All of us got behind the winner. Like I was just at a fundraiser with Tom Olson last night, and I actually supported the other candidate. Right. We work together on his mm -hmm. candidacy now. Like there's a, a real drive to be able to support the winner. Um, more than 58,000 people have come out and voted in these nominations. Let's respect their vote. And I also wanted to ask you, I mean, honestly, there are so many different issues we could yeah, talk I about. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. How long do you yeah, have? <laughs> exactly. But, um, the, uh, and I know that we have a deadline here. So yes. as and journalists do too. So we'll, I, we'll do this again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, this week, actually, I wrote a story. It's been something that's kind of been bubbling for the last couple of weeks where there have been um, kind of anti-abortion groups mm -hmm. in Alberta who've been saying, you know, we're getting behind the UCP because we think that it's going to be a pro-life legislature. Um, I've asked Jason Kenney about this, um, and yes. he has said multiple times for years, he has said the UCP won't legislate it. We're not going to discuss the issue. We're not going to basically touch the issue. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess what I wanted to ask you was, do you think all the candidates you've spoken to feel that way, where it's like, this is not going to be on the table? 100%. I 100% I trust the leader. And I'm pro-choice. So just to be clear, you know, there's going to be a lot of different voices around the table, which in my opinion, I mean, at the end of the day, good policy is bred from a lot of different opinions at the table. But um, I completely back the leader in his comments, and I completely trust him with that. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's interesting. Do you think that people in Alberta have a, an assumption about where candidates would, mm -hmm. would sit on this issue that might not be fair? Um, well, in all fairness to the, you know, the wonderful folks of Alberta, they're living their lives. And there's a lot of stuff that is going on right now. And as you know, there's a lot of people suffering in this province. And so there's, there's, um, there's a certain amount of you know, that we consume from those of you who have the privilege of reporting the stories. So mm -hmm. it's incumbent upon us, I believe, to be able to have those discussions. And if it opens up a good discussion like this, which I think is a very good discussion, I think it's always worthwhile. Um, the, the most important thing that needs to happen in any of these things is that people are genuinely truthful about where they stand on these things. And I think Jason's done a very good job of that. And I'm very, very happy with his stance on this. And I'm 100% behind him. Do you think that this could be an issue if it comes up in the context of, for example, like a, a health bill or a, a, like um, health funding? Are you concerned that, you know, this will be brought into the political arena as a debate about the issue of abortion? Nothing like that. Haven't heard anything about that. And it's certainly not on the minds of people at the doors. Like it's not something, are you asking like from the grassroots? Nothing has come through our spaces about that at all. And but again, I think the leader's been really clear. And I think that that's the most important precedent that you can set at this point. 
And I also did want to ask you, um, you know, we're coming up on a election that's going to be a very stressful and long campaign period, I think, for all <laughs> oh of us. We're it all hasn't waiting. been already. <laughs> I know, oh my goodness. Exactly. Yeah. Emma Graney and I are having a great time. I know. <laughs> Emma, bless yeah. her heart. Hey, yeah, she's it's hilarious. Just, it's been pretty stressful. Um, yeah. Where do you think the UCP is going to put their focus? Are, are you guys going to put your focus in Edmonton or Calgary? Because hmm. there have been kind of differing uh, kind of opinions on that. Well, and I think to be to honor the people of both of those cities, there is different focuses for different cities. I think the candidates very much reflect the needs that are are happening in both of those areas. And, um, you know, in Calgary, for just one example, you know, the downtown core is empty, right? So there's a lot of push towards, you know, how how to... Um, help job creators bring in things to be able to help those jobs be there. There's a lot of talk around that. And of course, rural crime, like I was telling you in education. And in Edmonton, you know, you have a different base here. And the people that are running in these areas are very adept at understanding what is happening in their constituencies. So I, I don't, the broader issues I think like we've talked about of jobs in the economy are always going to be there because in order to be able to support the incredible services that we have here, the social programs, we have to, we have, to have some fiscal capability here. So, and from what I've spoken with, like Nicole Williams is a really good friend of mine. She's running here and a couple of other folks they're they're having very similar discussions at the doors, I would say. Or, but if you go to a place like uh, Canmore, for example, tourism is a big issue in that area, and uh, you know all these other different areas. There's there's a lot of different things to talk about. So we have really really wonderful, competent candidates that are running in these areas that are we're all just you know dumping tons of policy ideas on our poor platform committee people. So I would imagine there's going to be a very good broad spectrum. Um, group of, of ideas that come forward that have are very unique and, and um, to the areas that they represent, but also the overall perspectives. Where do you think the big UCP uh, party will be during the oh election night? I haven't <laughs> thought about that. I'm just I'm <laughs> like try, trying to get through my uh, through my my own election here. Yeah. I just try to keep my head above water. I hadn't thought about that. I'm gonna have to ask the leader about that. That's a good question. I think we might have to drive that night. Yeah, we're trying to decide who's going to be at the NDP party. Who's yeah, gonna be at the UCP party. Yeah, we'll oh, that's a really it. good question. I hadn't yeah. thought about. Honestly, it hasn't come up. Maybe we'll meet smack dab in the middle. Yeah, who knows? Red deer. We'll Red have deer. Everything. Right. We'll have it. <laughs> Red Deer. Yeah. Yes, that's a good question. I'm going to ask the leader about that. <laughs> well, I think that's all the time we have. But thank you so much, Leela, for joining me. Um, I, as always, lovely to chat with you. And um, I'm sure we'll have you back as a guest in the future. I would love that. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll have this election soon and we'll be able to chat more about that. So yeah, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leela, for joining me. And you can subscribe to the Press Gallery on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts.